Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net and also become one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, there are ten lost episodes, excuse me, nine between last week's show and this week's. The original air date on this one is October the 26th of 1951. And this one is Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers. It's time now for another hard-hitting adventure with Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone on Nightbeat. But first, a reminder. Tomorrow evening, join Brian Donlevy as he takes you on another dangerous assignment. Sunday, Douglas Fairbanks brings you authentic action stories based on activities of your government security agents. This new series is The Silent Men, and you'll enjoy the pulse-quickening adventures which The Silent Men bring to the NBC microphone. Then Monday night, Herbert Marshall assumes that mysterious identity of the man called X. And for photos of your favorite NBC stars, buy the current NBC Silver Jubilee issue of Radio TV Mirror Magazine. And now it's Nightbeat on NBC. NBC presents transcribed Frank Lovejoy in... Nightbeat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Tonight's story began more than a year ago, around 7 a.m. of a cold November. The city room was a wilderness of empty desks. There was a chill in the air. The radiators were knocking, but the heat wasn't coming in. Dawn dribbled down the main aisle like dirty dishwater. My desk lamp shone dismally on a cup of stale coffee and a chocolate donut, one bite missing. I was trying to finish my column and go home, but it was just one of those days. The words wouldn't come. And I just sat there looking at the typewriter keys, hating them one and all from A through shift lock to ditto marks. And the drunk smiled sadly. Oh, nuts. That must be him all right, Jenny. I suppose so. I pictured a better looking man. I looked up. The old guy was as twisted and gnarled as a, an old shillelagh. If you can picture a shillelagh in a seedy mail-order suit. The old gal was dressed in shapeless black crepe. Looked like something left over from a rather unsuccessful funeral. Um, yeah. You go right on with your chores. Mr. Crothers and I'll just stand around and gawk. <laughs> yeah, you do that. Looks a lot easier than seeding an acre of barley, huh, Mr. Brothers? Yeah, but watch them fingers go. Like a bunch of beavers. Oh, beavers. <laughs> uh, now, look. You are Randy Stone who covers the night beat? Mm-hmm. And you two, I presume, are the Livingstons. 
The Carruthers. Jenny and S.B. Carruthers of Borough Junction, Illinois. Well, I'm pleased to meet you. You know, I bet you we've got every last column you ever wrote, Mr. Stone. Pasted in our Chicago scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, along with Earl Cupsonet's column. And the writings of that dear Mr. O'Brien before that sweet soul passed on. All you people who write about Chicago. Ah, and now we're really here ourselves. Oh, it's like a dream come true. Fifty-five years we waited. Well, it doesn't seem that long, does it? Well, it's been fine seeing you. Now, if you'll excuse me. Yes, sir. Jen and I met at the Columbian Exposition back in 1895. That's why we have such a warm spot in our heart for Chicago. She worked in a cigar factory up in East Chicago. That's what attracted me. <laughs> Had nicotine on her fingers. Figured she must be one of them bad girls you're always hearing about and never lucky enough to meet. Now, Mr. Crothers, you stop that. Oh, that fair was quite an extravaganza. Uh, of course, you heard about uh, Little Egypt, Mr. Stone. Oh, sure. Oh, now, you stop that this minute, Mr. Crothers. Oh, she had it, Mr. Stone. That little lady had it. <laughs> Will you listen to this dried-up old man? If that just doesn't... Uh, uh, look. Look, I'm sorry, but I, I've got to finish my work. Is there something you wanted? No. Well, uh, not exactly, that is. Not exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, we come off the train at 5.07 this morning and walked around a piece. All seems too strange, though. You know, the only place still standing is the hotel where Jen and I spent our honeymoon. But what a ruin that is today. And you registered there? No, no. Uh, uh, that's it. That's what we want to talk to you about. Uh, where's your luggage? Didn't bring any with us. Oh, oh, I see. I know Jenny's pretty hungry and tired. Now, you're the ones hungry and tired. Well, but I just couldn't go into any place and, well... I... Oh, yeah, sure, I, I understand. Only the flattery about the column and the just folks talk, that, that wasn't necessary. Uh, here. Uh, this five-spot help? Stand up. Huh? Stand up or I'll smash you right where you are. V.J. Carruthers, you stop that. You tell him to stand up. All the blood's rushing to your head and that vein is standing out. Now you turn right around and start walking for those stairs. What is this? Mr. Carruthers, you hear me? I just want him to... Start walking. Oh. I'll be right with you. We didn't come here to beg you, Mr. Stone. You coming, Jen? Be right with you, Mr. Joe Lewis. Well, it's not begging if you're hungry. We came here to see you... Well, because even if you never knew us, we've been reading about you for so long, we felt like you were an old friend. We just came by Come to... Come on, Jim. Yes, all right. Now, now wait a minute. Oh, now, look. Stop, will you stop? You just leave us alone. Now, Mr. Carruthers. Uh... Look, I, I'm tired and I'm irritable. I'm having trouble with my story. Uh, Jen and me, we never took a dime. We didn't work hard for it. I'm sorry. Mr. Carruthers' pride. It's the talk of the whole county. Yeah, I can see it would be. Only when you mention not eating and, and having no luggage... Hey, hey, look in this purse of mine. Now, stop that. I want him to look into it. Does this look like we need your $5? 2000 in traveler's checks oh. is all. 
Now, Mr. Carruthers, I don't like that, not one tiny bit. And I want to show him. That's just plain boasting. I just won't stand for it. But, Jen... You just he... better also tell him that it's the last red cent we have in the whole world, plus all the money from next year's crop advanced by the bank, plus $500 from a second mortgage on the property. Still don't need his $5. I told you, I'm sorry. Well, all right, then. Now, what are you going to do with all that money? We're going to make... A dream come true. A dream? We only had about $12 between us when we got married. Less than five, you boaster. Well, whatever it be. Let me tell him, will you? Well, just keep the facts straight. Ever since then, we always dreamed of coming back in style. If it couldn't be with the red carpet and all the trimmings. Well, you just listen to that man. Now, it's true, and you know it. How many hours we spent just talking about what we do. Well... Only every time we got a few dollars ahead, well, something happened. Yes, if it wasn't the flood, it was the drought. And if it wasn't a dust storm... It was another baby on the way. Mr. Carruthers. Well, now we decided we're going to make that dream come true no matter what. Only we're a couple of old hayseeds and we need help. You know, right clothes, the right hotel, the right restaurants. And, uh, and, and you want my advice? We did until you got so generous with $5. We still do, Mr. Stone. Well, I'd be very happy to help you. Well, thank you. Uh, Jen and me, we just got to have the best time of our whole lives. His voice had suddenly changed, and somehow the city room seemed to have grown much colder. I turned quickly to look at him. In the dim light, I saw something in those faded eyes that sent a trembling running through me. And then I looked again, and whatever I'd seen in the eyes wasn't there anymore. I decided that I was just tired, imagining things, and I let it go at that. They were a couple of sweet old characters, and I was going to do right by them. I poured enough coffee down my throat to push the cobwebs away, and then we started out on the town. First stop, of course, was an exclusive dress shop for stylish matrons on Michigan Boulevard. That's where all the lovely mannequins come equipped with soft gray wigs and the indirect lighting and the specially designed mirrors were more than kind. Well, what do you think of this dress, Mr. Carruthers? Same as I thought of the others. Makes you look too old. Oh! Haven't they got something that shows a little of the foreleg? Foreleg is what horses have. Yeah, on a woman, the uh, word is calf. Well, whatever it is, I want to see it. <laughs> so you just tell a young lady to bring out something else. Well, break it to me gently. How do I look? Real nice, Mr. Crothers. <laughs> I feel like a fish. Uh, let me peek in this mirror. He always does look so fine in blue, Mr. Stone. He just does wonders for his eyes. Yeah. Well, it's a mighty fine hotel, and I'm glad that Mr. Crothers is registering. But... Yeah, I know how you feel. $38 a day, it makes me a little weak in the knees. No, it's not that. I want us to have the very best of everything. It's not that at all. It's... It's just... Well? Yeah? Well, we're country people, Mr. Stone. I don't know how to say it. Well, say what? 
I've been married to Mr. Crothers for 53 years. And in all that time, we've never slept apart. And I don't intend that we should start now. What? I've heard about these big city hotels with their twin beds. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about, honey. Not in the bridal suite. Well, after that, I gave Mr. Carruthers my telephone number should he need me, and then I staggered home for a couple hours of sleep. I was dead tired, but I wouldn't have traded this day for anything in the world. But then, just as I was about to doze off, all the warmth suddenly left me again, and again I heard what should have been just a nice bit of dialogue from a sweet old guy. Jen and me, we just got to have the best time of our whole lives. And for a moment, all the sleep was gone. I sat up, and when I tried to light a cigarette, my fingers trembled. And I didn't know why. During the next weeks, I got frequent calls from the Carruthers. They were having the time of their lives. They insisted I have at least one dinner with them, uh, their treat. We ate at the pump room where the prices can give you indigestion, but never, never the food. And then I could see that I wasn't the only one who'd fallen under the spell of Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers of Burroughs Junction, Illinois. The waiters, the busboys, the maitre d', the people at the other tables... There was love at first sight. And the evening ended in the great schmaltzy tradition with Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers dancing by themselves on the small floor. And when the dance was over, everybody was clapping and touching their napkins to their eyes. Then the farmer and his wife came back to the table, hand in hand. <laughs> oh, my head. Where's the man out? It's <laughs> hot in here. You better sit down before you fall over, Mr. Carruthers. Oh, kid, I could dent you into the floor. Kid, he's getting citified fast, huh, Mr. Stone? Yes, he sure is, kid. Yes, sir, could dent you into the floor every night of the week and <laughs> twice on the 4th of July. <laughs> well, there's not going to be any more dancing. This is our last night. Oh? Money's all gone. Oh, but what a time we've had. <laughs> Got a lot more respect for money if it can bring us a month like this, eh, Jim? Oh, isn't it the truth? <laughs> we ought to drink a final toast, then. Ah, just about enough left. All right. You've got the floor, Mr. Carruthers. Oh, all right. Well, I can't think of anything real clever. Uh, let me see. Oh, I got a toast I learned at a stag when I was a growing boy. Now, Mr. Crothers. I wasn't going to use it, Jim. No, no, no. Oh, here's my toast. For every moment of our life together, I thank you, my dear. I went on about my work, checked in with the office at midnight as usual, and the girl at the switchboard had a message for me. Call Central Police Station and ask for Captain Barton. I put in the call thinking, well, laddie, back to the old routine. Then the captain came on the phone. Mr. Stone, we got a torn jacket down here with your name and telephone number scribbled on a slip of paper in one of the pockets. Well, well all my jackets are accounted for, Captain. I'm wearing it. No, this one belonged to an old fella around 70. Hmm? Dark blue, good material. Well, that, uh, 
That sounds like it belongs to Mr. Carruthers. Now, how do you spell that name? Where can I get a hold of him right away? Wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast. What's up? Plenty is up. Your Mr. Carruthers is on his way to commit murder. NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Before we begin Act Two of tonight's exciting adventure with Randy Stone, we'd like to pause and salute Station WKBH in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Today, Station WKBH celebrates the completion of 25 years of broadcasting to the residents of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. From the entire staff of Night Beat, Sincere congratulations to you, WKBH, on your silver anniversary. And now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. Captain Barton sat on the edge of his desk while I examined the jacket. And across from him was a mournful-looking man with a fresh bandage plastered to his forehead. Barton stood up. Well? Yes, it's his. Uh... What's it all about? How'd he get torn? How did he get torn, he asks. Suppose you tell him, Mr. Hartman. What's to tell? He's strong for an old man like that. Well, he did farm work all his life. I could make a joke and say he sure plowed into me. Big joke. Mr. Hartman operates a pawn shop on Milwaukee Avenue. Well, what was he doing in your pawn shop? He was attracted by a revolver display I had in the window. Revolver display? Uh, particularly one Colt 32, price $35. Worth every penny. He tried to steal the gun? I didn't say that. He wanted to buy it. Okay, but he didn't have a license. So I told him to go down to the police department and get a license tomorrow. He said he didn't have the time. It had to be now. It had to be now? I said I was sorry with me. It's strictly legitimate. Then the roof fell in. An old man like that. That sure doesn't sound like the fellow I knew. Took the gun and started running for the door. Well, I grabbed him by the sleeve of his jacket here, and then whammo, he smacks the gun into my puss. Well, I hang on to the coat, it splits right down the middle, and he keeps running. Hmm. That isn't the only item on your Mr. Carruthers tonight, Stone. Uh, what do you mean? This statement here didn't add up until Mr. Hartman came in. You listen to this. A telephone report from the Ajax Drugstore, 1947 Wabash Avenue. Ernest J. Gorman, manager. The statement follows. At about 8.40 p.m. tonight, Gorman waited on an elderly man dressed in a dark blue suit. The man told Gorman he wished to purchase some poison. Poison? The man claimed he wanted poison to destroy rats, but Gorman's suspicions were aroused by the man's insistence on knowing the reaction of such poisons on the human body. The old guy's a real doozy. The man offered Gorman a hundred dollars. That's what he offered me, only I turned him down cold. I've been in business since 1900. Yeah. Uh, go on, Captain. A hundred dollars for a few capsules of poison. When Gorman refused, the man exclaimed, I won't let her suffer. I'll find some way. And disappeared before Gorman could stop him. Oh, brother. So he doesn't need the poison. He has my $35 gun. Hey, where are you going? Uh, the phone. Operator, get me the Ambassador East Hotel... Fast, please. I don't know the number. It's an emergency. Is that where they're staying? Yes, you better get over there quick. Oh, I'll get on this intercom. Uh, Harry, have a car out in front right away. We'll be right oh, hello. Uh, I want to speak to Mr. Carruthers, room 1217. Yes, hurry, please. What's that? When? I see. Okay, thank you. You can cancel that car, Captain. Huh? 
Mr. and Mrs. Carruthers checked out of the hotel three hours ago. Left no forwarding address. When I left the police station a little after 2 a.m., I really felt Jim Dandy. I tried to get back to work, but that was a lost cause. Trying to kill his wife, it, it didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. I recall the first time I'd seen them, the old guy shooting off his mouth about the Colombian Exposition of 1895, Little Egypt, and how changed everything was. And then I stopped dead in my tracks, that hotel that they'd stayed in back in 1895. I started running for the nearest phone booth. I woke up half a dozen people all over Chicago, local historians, hotel keepers. Finally, a sleepy voice fellow in charge of the Hotel Association of America gave me an answer. Must be the Gulliver House. Gulliver House, hmm? Yeah, that's what you must mean. Built for the exposition. Uh, where is it? Well, let me try and clear my head. Uh, woke me up out of a sound sleep. Will you, will you please hurry? It's urgent. Uh, the 93rd Street. Uh, it was considered very elegant when it was built. But now it's practically a flop house. No, there wasn't much left of the Gulliver House early grandeur. The marble floors were cracked and stained. And the oversized chandeliers were filled with cobwebs and burned-out bulbs that nobody bothered to replace. A flock of beat-up leather chairs, an open elevator in the corner like a birdcage waiting for a lost canary. Nobody around but a bearded guy snoozing on a couch. I went to the desk. The night clerk was in an alcove making a pot of coffee on a little gas plate. I banged the bell. I'll be right with you. Uh, an old couple named Carruthers check in here tonight. Carruthers? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, a couple of hours ago. Uh, room 412. Just let me finish measuring out this coffee now. Uh, take your time. I got all night. Hey, hey, where are you going? No, you wait till I call him. Don't you take that elevator. <laughs> The elevator was another relic of the Columbian Exposition. And for the sake of the older generation, I only hope Little Egypt had just half the vibrations. It seemed to move in all directions except up. Oh, come on, come on. What was I going to find in room 412? I didn't even want to think about it. By then, I'd reached the fourth floor. And through the iron grill work, I saw Mr. Carruthers standing in a faded bathrobe and holding a Colt revolver that would have looked much better in the hock shop window. Well, open the door and come on out. What have you done to Jenny? The clerk called up and told me you were on your way. That open door down the hall, that's your room? Stay right where you are, Mr. Stone. That must be the manager ringing for the elevator. What have you done to your wife? Keep your voice down, folks sleeping. Tell me. My nephew, Martin, that's my sister's boy, if he hadn't got out of medical school last June, uh, well, you know how it is. We wanted to give him a start. Figured it was time for a physical examination anyhow. Uh-huh. I guess uh, I ain't been to a doctor since maybe 1927 when I tore a ligament in my back. And Jenny, well, almost as long. Anyhow, poor Martin, after he examined us in July, he called me into his office and Said he was sorry that he ever become a doctor. Nice boy. He sure hated to tell me that Jenny had to die. 
Die? One of them incurable things. Too late to do anything about it. No pain yet. Another couple of months for that. And then maybe two more months at the most. Oh, I wish he'd stop that. That's when you decided on the trip to Chicago? At least we did have that, huh? Forget everything but how happy we were. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I I decided that when the trip was over, well, I, I hadn't been able to do very much for Jenny. Maybe I could fix it so she, she wouldn't have to suffer. And so you got the gun, huh? Yeah, that's right. Where are you going? Your room. I'm warning you, don't. Don't. You'll wake her up. What? Here's the gun. Take it. It hasn't been fired. Uh, I, I couldn't even do that for her. I sat there and I, I tried, but I, I couldn't even do that. I see. I can't help it. I, I'm selfish, I guess. I want every minute that I can have with her. I don't care how or why or anything. I... You better take that elevator down before he has a conniption. Yeah, I guess I'd better. Uh, Mr. Carruthers. Yes? Nothing. Give Jen my love. Goodbye. More than a year passed. I didn't forget the Carruthers, but I don't know. Life keeps piling up in front of you, and my memory of them kept being pushed farther and farther into the darkness. But early this evening, all the lights went on again. Fast. The papers sent me up to the Capitol at Springfield to cover a political story. I was driving back to Chicago the same day. Around 5 p.m., I saw that I was getting low on gas, and I'd better fill up at the next town. And then I was passing the highway sign of the next town. Elevation, nil, population, even more so. But I forgot all about that when I saw the name of the place. Burroughs Junction. I stopped at the gas station only long enough to look through the thin phone book. And ten minutes later I was parked in front of a rusty RFD mailbox with the name Carruthers stenciled on the side. The frame house was badly in need of paint. The pickup truck stood in the yard, balanced on blocks, its rear wheel missing. The steps were broken, an empty rocking chair groaned back and forth in the light wind as I crossed the warped porch. I knocked on the door, and after a while, a hall light went on, and someone was coming for the front door. What could I say to him? What could I tell him? And then the door was opened. Why, Mr. Stone. Oh, how nice to see you again. Mrs. Carruthers. Come in. Come on in. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, it's not much like the bridal suite at the Ambassador East now, is it, Mr. Stone? Let me look at you. Oh, you look fine. Feel all right for an old lady? Oh, man, do I feel relieved. I I thought that... Huh? Well, I... Well, a young doctor, I I guess he's entitled to one mistake, especially this kind, huh? Oh, I see. Mr. Carruthers told you. Yeah. 
Well, my nephew and I, we played a trick on the mister. Huh? I guess it's hard for you to understand about taking that trip to Chicago. It just grew out of all proportions. I mean, it became, I guess the word is obsession. Is that the word? Yeah. Well, as time went on and all our plans for the trip fell through again and again, well, in Mr. Crothers' mind, not taking the trip became like a sign of his defeat. Just listen to me talking like one of those psychiatrists or whatever they call them. Well, you're, you're talking fine. But for him, it was the one thing that made our life together incomplete. Like he'd failed me. Of course, that sure wasn't so. I had the most wonderful life with him that any woman... But men think different than women about what's important and what's not. Yeah. And if he'd known the real truth, he'd never have taken that trip. All he'd think about was providing for me. He was that way. He sure was. He passed on six months ago. Six months this October. What? Uh, my nephew and I, that was the trick, Mr. Stone. You see, it was Mr. Carruthers who had the sickness. A fellow once wrote, when two people really love each other, there can never be a happy ending. Well, maybe, but, but I don't know. I sort of think if he could have seen the look of love in Mrs. Carruthers' eyes as she talked about Mr., and if he could have heard the pride in her voice, maybe he'd have changed his line just a bit. Maybe to make it read, when two people really love each other, there can never be an ending. Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Larry Marcus with music by Robert Armbruster. The part of Mrs. Carruthers was played by Jeanette Nolan. Ralph Moody was Mrs. Mr. Carruthers. Others featured were Ben Wright and Lou Krugman. Don Rickles speaking. Frank Lovejoy can currently be seen starring in Warner Brothers' Force of Arms. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Tomorrow morning, be sure to hear the premiere broadcast of the Somerset Mom Theater. Somerset Mom's famous novel, The Moon and a Sixpence, will be presented tomorrow morning. Later, tomorrow evening, join Monty Woolley as the magnificent Montague. And for photos of your favorite NBC stars, buy the current Silver Jubilee issue of Radio TV Mirror Magazine. 
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. We've heard Randy Stone use the closing line in this episode previously. But I think it was more applicable here. This is a really good story, and I think it shows the uh, complexities of this relationship and the sacrifices made. Mrs. Carruthers' decision to deceive her husband and take the trip could have been seen as immature or taking advantage of him. But you got a clear sense that she knew him, and she knew what this trip meant to him, and that's why she took it. Overall, a great piece of drama. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, uh, listener comments and feedback regarding Anton's return. Foxworth writes on Twitter, uh, not beat at its best, in my opinion, even if it is a repeat. My wife actually edits the titles in the uh, post for the website to make sure everything is grammatically correct and we've got everything where it's supposed to be. And she actually did have a comment regarding the title of the Night Beat episode, They. First, she asked if I'd type the whole title. And when I told her that I had, she said, So wrong, but it's too late for me to tell dead people. They can't title a work with just a pronoun of all the boring titles to choose from. A modern-day editor perspective on the whole thing. All right, that will actually do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Pursuit. Then next Tuesday, it's Rocky Fortune. And uh, next Monday, another episode of Not Beat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.